Well, Antonio, it's been a little while. Yeah, it's been a long time. It's been a long time. It was, uh, I think it was the spring, yeah. the last time we had a podcast. I think it's after the spring game. After or, the spring or game. Before. And, right, but it's August second. Football camp is here. Mm-hmm. You were up, Brian, early at five a.m. We should tell people uh, this. Our band is better than your band, by the way. I'm mm-hmm. um, Hugh Kellenberger, uh, sports editor of the Clarion Ledger. He's Antonio Morales, our Jackson State and Swack beat writer. And we should explain any difference in the level of energy that's coming <laughs> from this room can be best be explained by the fact that uh, I drink a venti cold brew this morning, which is like rocket fuel. And you got up at 5 a.m. to go cover football practice. Yeah, Jackson State, uh, the first of three 5 a.m. football practices uh, today, tomorrow, and Thursday. All of which are open to the public. <laughs> yes, but the gate was locked today after <laughs> practice. So, uh, Did you have to hurdle the gate? No, it's second year on the beat now, so I'm, I'm experienced. I'm a vet. I know how to walk around and, <laughs> and get to the other side of the field. Um, so, some of the people who did come and watch had a... Uh, you can see people, you can see heads over the gates, and you can see them sitting on, like in the back of their trucks trying to watch practice because um, the gates were locked so they couldn't get in. But uh, I was able to find a way in and uh, and watch practice today. That's that's that beat rider versatility. You yeah. need to find a way sometimes. Yeah, that first that first year, you just, you pl- first year probably wouldn't have known where to go. But uh, second, right. second year, now I know. Right, exactly. So what did you see? Let's start right here. What did you see from day one? Of Jackson State's football camp, uh, it's it's what I wrote about today. Just more bodies and right. in general, just a, a lot more bodies on the offensive and defensive line, um, uh, particularly the offensive line. Just see just the numbers gro- growing in those two areas, and uh, you can tell they addressed running back because at the end of spring practice last year, they had spring practice this past year they had one back that was healthy. Um, today they had five or six backs out there. Right. And you can tell the, the depth, even though a receiver was already deep, it got deeper with the guys they, they brought in. Um, a lot of freshmen were playing over there at, at receiver and running back. So um, more buddies in the offensive defensive line and just bolstering the skilled players on offense. Right. 95 guys, you said, is mm-hmm. what Tony Hughes said that he has in camp. Yeah. You know, which, you know, FBS schools have 105. So that's 10 less. But – Jackson State FCS schools only have 63 scholarships mm-hmm. where FBS of 85. So you're talking about 30-something walk-ons yeah. are out there trying to make this team. And, it, and you know, in a first-year program under a new coach, mm-hmm. there are opportunities for those guys, for those freshmen, for those kind of new faces to jump up and emerge because, you know, it's a wipe-the-slate-clean kind of moment. Yeah, and that, that's why I don't think you've seen many guys leave yet because – Right, there's a lot of, a lot of like you said, clean slate. Everybody has a chance. Uh, there might be a guy here or there who left, uh, but it's not like a, a mass exodus or anything. There's, yeah, there's exactly. Still a lot of guys who, who are there from the previous regime. regime. Would let's dig a little deeper here. How about quarterback? You know, little Montias mm-hmm. Ivy comes back. I, I think most people presume he is going to be the starting quarterback. Yeah. How did he look? How did the rest of the guys at that position look? Uh, everybody, it was typical first day of practice. You had Lamontiez, who was getting the first team reps. Um, he had a nice, he had a, some nice throws during uh, during team. He got picked off once by Zivian Bingham and got taken back. That was probably the highlight of practice. Um, so he had his ups, he had his downs. Typical first day. I know Coach Hughes said he wanted to see the execution a little bit better. Um, 
but it was a typical first day of practice for him. And um, Jaron Morikawa, who started a couple of games when Lamontias went out last year, he was working with the second team. Um, he seemed okay. He had a, a nice pass down the seam to Javon Floyd. Um, Juwan Adams, he was moving. He was, he was with the third team a little right. bit. And it, it was a typical freshman day from what you saw from Juwan Adams. Like he, he made a nice throw during a seven-on-seven. Seven, but uh, sometimes he was holding on to the ball a little bit too long, still trying to get used to the speed of the game, going from high school to, to college now. And uh, sometimes you see him having trouble with, his, with snaps and shotgun. Um, so it's just what you kind of expect from a true freshman, um, kind of inconsistent um, for your first practice. Yeah, there was a lot of buzz about him. I mean, he's a three-star prospect mm-hmm. that a lot of high school people in the state really loved yeah. him. Uh, when he committed to Jackson State, it was something of a coup. Kind yeah. of a, a, it was that first big in-state guy to kind of pick Jackson State and yeah. Tony Hughes. And I remember, you know, you go back to signing day, there was a lot of acceleration towards the idea of, is he going to come in and be the best quarterback yeah. on the roster? Is he going to come in and challenge Lamont T.S. Ivy? It sounds like... N- Kind of hit the brakes on that a little bit. He's still a freshman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He still, still needs time to learn. He obviously wasn't here during spring, so this right. is his first introduction to college football and, and to Jack State and this playbook which had Germany. So even though he is he is really talented, you can still see like the power he has on his arm. It's probably mm-hmm. the best of any quarterback on the roster. But it's still adjusting and, and getting used to everything that will take some time for him, for him to catch up with. Right, and Chad Germany is not running a kind of simplistic offensive scheme. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, like some of the zone read stuff he'll obviously have picked up with the stuff he was running in high school and right. the running he was doing over there. But um, but just in general, it'll, it'll take him a while for, for that learning curve to kind of – for him to get that down. What else, man? Any newcomers jump out to you? Any, any new names that uh, fans need to be aware of? Um, I know the coaching staff's high on Josh Miller um, at safety. Uh, I think he went to West Point. Or I forget where, where he's from. Um, but they were high on him, and uh, he was in there in the rotation. I think he was he was um, on with the third team at safeties, and they have a, a lot of experience at safety. So um, I know he'll have a chance to be kind of in the mix. Right. Um, uh, Jordan Johnson from Terry, he was he was in there. He was getting some reps in the backfield. Um, he's an athlete, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him like maybe get chances in the return game. Um, Kobe Gates from Lake County, a receiver. He was lining up at tight end too. Um, he's a good size, six three, two twenty. Uh, he made a nice catch in the middle. He's, he's lining up at tight end, um, and I know the coaching staff's high on some other receivers like Wansley and and some other guys. Uh, but Gates uh, stood out. You can see Jordan Johnson and Terry Sullivan um, there. They're standing out kind of too. Right, and, and for people who kind of are aware, who haven't seen a whole lot of training camp, it, it's not atypical for. A coaching staff to pretty much say here's our first and second team based off of spring yeah and then the third team is everyone who is new mm-hmm. just out of just general rule that's all the new guys because there's going to be a ton of teaching when the third teams are out there and you don't want kind of that mixing and matching of uh, a three-year starter next to a brand new freshman this early in camp. That's how a lot of mistakes are made. Guys get hurt. It's easier to put all the new guys together. When the third team comes out, let's go a lot slower. Let's kind of walk through this play before we run it at 75% speed. And then what you'll see over those then you know five, six days is 
guys start to move themselves up if their play warrants it. By the time the pads come on and and you start hitting, that's when who's with the first team and second team is much more reflective of maybe what we're going to see when Jackson State lines up against UNLV next month. Yeah, that, that's what you were seeing today. Guys like Juwan Adams, they were working with. He was working with other freshman receivers. Um, on offense, um, but yeah, for the most part, the depth chart was pretty much the same as it was down in the spring. There was a uh, change at corner and a change on the line, but other than that, everything was pretty much the same. Right, absolutely. You know, you wrote a story the other day for us, ClarionLedger.com, and it's still relevant. It was what to watch for during Jackson State's training camp because we still, I mean, we're more than a month away from the season actually starting. <laughs> Pads haven't been put on yet. Yeah, right, exactly. Let's kind of go through some of that. The first thing you mentioned, always an adventure kind of in the swag, <laughs> special teams yeah. uh, and kickers. Yeah, they didn't, they didn't work much on the kicking game today. Um, but obviously throughout camp, that will be a, a point of emphasis. Uh, Tony Hughes will have his hands hands on the special teams i know that's one area he's told me he's, he's going to really harp on uh, i think him and john hendrick are going to be like the co-special team special teams coaches mm-hmm. um so obviously kicking will be vital for them especially with ryan deasing who they lost last season um he was an integral part of that program i mean you remember last year they brought him to slack media day um so uh this year they, they need to find a new guy christian jockman he was hurt during spring i think he got injured on the kickoff last year trying to make a tackle on the kickoff against arkansas pine bluff um so he was out during spring he was out there today he had a brace on his knee um but he was out there and participating um so that's a good sign for jackson state because they're going to really need him or dicey williamson whoever ends up kicking um to step up this season right you mentioned a little bit a couple of changes along the offensive line how much do you expect that to be continue to be the case are they is this a deal where do they they have a pretty good idea of where guys fit, or is it going to be one of those things where it's we got to find the best five and then we'll figure out where they fit in that best five? Yeah, I think I think they have a, a good idea of about four guys right now. Just a matter of kind of figuring out where they're going to end up. Marcus Cook, all swag offensive lineman. Um, he's played he played guard and center two years ago. Last year he played center. In the spring, he moved between center and guard. Um, today he was back at center and they moved Frank Carter uh, back to left guard so I think um, it just I think they have a good idea of who's going to be in it's just a matter of kind of where and uh, who who will play what tackle and stuff like that because I know Christian Marshall he was a starter muscle last season it's just a matter of what side he's going to be on right and stuff like that and and who will play center and guard Um, that'll be that'll be the main question uh for the offensive line but today um today it was just pretty much the same as it has been and the way it was when it started during spring uh we talked about quarterbacks we talked about freshmen what about defense you know about deshaun tillman east mississippi community college transfer yeah uh what have you seen from him? Is that a guy that can jump in and kind of make an impact somewhere? Yeah, when Catra Anderson got hurt, actually, uh, Deshaun Tillman kind of slid into that first team defensive end spot, and he hasn't given up that spot since he's, since he's slid in there. Uh, right. he, he was out there at first team defensive end today, and he had a, he had a nice little deflection during uh, during the team portion of practice. Coach Hughes is really high on him, says he's a high-character guy. Um, 
and just a, a really good athlete. Maybe he, he should probably be at a, be at a higher level um, of college football. Um, but he has he has a, a good body, a good frame, long arms. Uh, that should really help him at the defensive end spot, and that'll give JSU three really good pass rushers with Tillman, Javancy Jones, Counter Anderson, um, especially with, when they lost Tedrick Terrell last season. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another guy who can come in and step in and kind of help fill that void with Keontra Anderson, opposite of Javancy. Did Tillman show up on Last Chance U at all? Yeah, yeah, he was like he was one of the first guys they uh, they showed, and then I think uh, he's in there in the in the in the cold tub with with Ronald Ollie. Okay, one, one of okay. those times. <laughs> but yeah, he, he was number forty at uh, East Mississippi Community College. Gotcha. Yeah, R- Ronald Ollie kind of pushed himself out <laughs> to the front. Yeah. Yeah. You could kind of tell that very quickly they were like, that dude is. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he's toward him. He was, yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of uh, JSU appearances from uh, on last chance here. Dario Robinson, he played receiver and corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was kind of prevalent during the fight. Uh, That's always good. The, That's always in, good. In the, in the last episode, um, Cliff Collins is Jackson State's uh, corners coach. He was in there quite mm-hmm. a bit. Um, John Hendrick and Lamarcus Hicks, uh, two assistant coaches at Jackson State. Now they 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 showed up during that little uh, recruiting scene they had, where all those coaches were come visiting. Right. Um, so yeah, there's some there's some Jackson State some Jackson State ties to to Last Chance U. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, their guys weren't the ones that were right. We're doing most of the bad things. So, I mean, it's not like it's Ronald Raleigh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And those guys are not there, like skipping class and stuff like that. So, right, right. Um, and, and, and the grand scheme of things, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, no, I, it's just you, man. It's kind of, I don't know. It was like, I'm telling people, like, it was entertaining. Yeah. But then you remember that it's real life and you're just like, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> yeah, it, it didn't, it didn't paint, the, it didn't paint uh, EMCC in the, in the best light. Um, but I mean, that's like JUCOs are man. I mean, I went oh to, yeah, I went, no. to Juke, I went to JUCOs in California, and like you, you're there to get out of there, right? So every, every JUCO has the same type of kids with the same kind of problems. Yeah. The only thing is that East Mississippi was the only one who had cameras following <laughs> yeah. them. That's the only real yeah, exactly. difference. Yeah, exactly. It's when you're in JUCO, everything's going to be kind of self motivated because you're working there to get yourself somewhere better. Right, and even most of the time, the coaches. Yeah. I mean, how many times has Buddy Stevens showed up on a list of people who applied for a job? Yeah. Like, every coach is out there. You know, every, everybody is, there's a single-mindedness to, we're going to win and then we're going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, uh, yeah, so those Jackson State guys, they got theirs and they're able, they able to move on and leave. Now they're, now they're in Division One. Let's dial it back for a minute here on uh, our band is better than your band. We'll go back uh, a couple weeks ago, Swack Media Day. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote a column coming out of that. They got a fair amount of reads on it. A lot of a lot of people kind of took it in. Mm-hmm. Uh, just about the general idea that the Swack is rising in its stature yeah and, and you can see that there are several signs of that you can see that in the fact that the celebration bowl exists for mm-hmm. one thing um the fact that you know it was on abc not 
ESPN eight. Yeah. Uh, the fact that Sports Center was live from the Celebration Bowl, and then, but the tack that I took in this column was the idea that the fact that a Tony Hughes would leave Mississippi State to become Jackson State's head coach, mm-hmm. and at the same time, Southern Miss would hire a Jay Hobson coming out of Alcorn State. Uh, that Broderick Fobbs got job interviews. Yeah. That there's a you know. Some guys threw in Mike Haywood to Texas Southern. I think that's a little bit different of a situation because <laughs> yeah. there's some extenuating circumstances. But at the same time, that's a guy who at one point was given the pit job, yeah. and he's now at Texas Southern. Mm-hmm. There's this idea, I think, that is growing that the SWAC is not where your career ends. Yeah, and I think, obviously, I think Alcorn kind of spearheaded that with hiring Jay, and right. that, that turned out well. Um and I think that kind of opened up everybody else's opened up the horizons for kind of everybody else. And you see guys like like Willie Simmons getting hired at Prairie View, and then Jay come, Jay comes back and says, "Hey, you want to join me at USM, be office right. coordinator?" And Willie says, "No," and he turns it down. Um, so there's a lot of things that are going. And Willie even told me he was like, "Yeah, it just seemed like in the past, once once you got st- once you were put in the swag, you were kind of stuck there. Now they're kind of going out the out." to the outer reaches of college football to try to get guys and and bring fresh blood into the conference. And I, I think it's starting to show when you have guys like Fob, Simmons, Tony Hughes, uh, even Mike Haywood to an extent, and, uh, see, and seeing what they're doing now. Right. I think the Hobson thing is relevant. The idea that Alcorn was kind of the first to sit there. It used to be that if you were going to hire a head coach in the SWAC, your options were an alum of your school mm-hmm. – a head coach or coordinator at another SWAC school or a head coach or a coordinator at a MEAC school. Yeah. But you stayed in that group. That that was your hiring pool. For somebody to go outside of that hiring pool and then for that guy to come in and do things differently and immediately win yeah. and then be able to use that to springboard out of the SWAC to a, a Better job. I mean, to a Conference USA job, yeah. to an FBS level job. It was not like he used that to go to Central Arkansas mm-hmm. or as an FCS school. He went to an FBS program that won 10 games last year. Yeah. And that only helps set up the next guys. Yeah. Because what happens if Tony Hughes has success at Jackson State? And you've seen all those guys. Broderick Fobb has already been in the swag title game in his second year. Right. Um, Willie Simmons went eight and two last season. Is the favorite to go to the SWAC title game this year. Brian Jenkins. I know he came uh, from Bethune Cookman, but he was six and five last season. I know people are expecting them to be a contender in in the East this year, and people are expecting Tony Hughes to do a good job at Jackson State. So I mean, these new guys have come in and they've done really well. Um, right. Absolutely. Just just like Jay did. Um, so the track record is there for those guys doing well in the conference. Right, absolutely. So then when you get to a year, two years down the line, mm-hmm. and, you know, uh, a, a Tulane or a Louisiana Lafayette has an opening, yeah. why wouldn't Broderick Fobbs be a contender? Uh, when Rice has an opening or, I don't know, Houston or, you know, there's a UTSA, there's a thousand different schools in Texas. <laughs> when one of them, Why wouldn't they consider Willie Simmons? I, I think it does have to be regionally based. Yeah. I, I don't know if you would see – you know, a program in the Northeast hired Broderick Fobb, I think. But someone in Louisiana who has watched that firsthand, and they're finding talent. It's, just, it's the same reason why, you know, Gus Malzahn and Hugh Freeze and all those guys were able to come out of high school 
and rise up so quickly in the FBS ranks. And mm-hmm. they, they had something different to offer, and they were good at their job. And, and the normal, how this is how things go. You had to be a positional coach, and then you had to be a coordinator, and then you get to be a head coach. Got rushed up because they had the talent. Yeah. If these guys continue to prove, because the one thing, you know, you talk about Grambling and Prairie View, mm-hmm. and all corners, they had explosive offenses. Yeah. And, and that's what college football is now. We want to score points. We want yeah. to get up and down the field. Score points is exciting. Fans are into the game. You know, they want to hear the band celebrating another touchdown. They want to hear, you know, the cannon go off on the sideline. All of that's If you can do that, you will get noticed. Yeah. And even back to the, the regionally based thing, that's what kind of got Jay hired at Southern Miss. He was He'd been there before, two season right. defensive coordinator. Southern Miss knew him. I mean, they were talking about that for like at least a year, but Jay coming back eventually at some point. Um, so I think that regionally based thing does have a big part, a big part to do with it. Right, absolutely. And, and I did think it was it. I talked to Rick Comagy, you know, Valley's head coach, and and he's one of the elder statesmen of the yeah. SWAC at this point, and. and Asked him just what he thought about it. Like, could he see the rise in prestige growing? Mm-hmm. And the one thing he said, he said that yes, he could, but he didn't think it was about that the coaching in the SWAC has necessarily gotten better as much as it is people outside of the SWAC recognizing it. And he, one of the things he said was that it used to be you had to have a recommendation from an FBS big dog Mm -hmm. nick saban or les miles or somebody like that had to be willing to go to bat for you had to be kind of the same deal as what it used to be in the swag you had to have an alum you know it used to be that same way at a lot of sec schools at a lot of schools it was who who played for us that's now ready to be a head coach as that changes that opens up avenues for everybody yeah and uh yeah just rick the elder statesman now (laughs) (laughs) And he, he was He's growing into that role, man. He's kinda, <laughs> he, he was interesting to talk to at, uh, at SWAC Media Day, uh, talking about Valley, saying they need to play 10 quarters of football uh, this, upcoming, this upcoming year. Every game, they need to play 10 quarters. Um, 10 quarters. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, I mean. I'm trying to do the math on that. I, <laughs> I, I know. Um, so, yeah, Rick was interesting to talk to at SWAC Media Day, as always. Did you? What kind of feeling did you get from him? On because he can kind of he can be a little overconfident at times, yeah. and then there are other times where he is pretty easy to read how he feels about things. Yeah, I think he, I think he's uh, I think he's high on his group uh, this year because they were so young last year and they started right. to show some progress uh, toward the end of the season. But I think this year he's kind of high on his group. I don't know if they'll be ready to win like four or five games yet or anything, but. Um, it just it's something he he can see the progress coming. Um, I think I think it's the last year of his contract. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, so he's just hoping for that contract to get kind of renewed to be there for a couple more years. So I think mm-hmm. he thinks next year is going to be the team that kind of breaks through whatever that is at Valley breaks through. I know the results haven't necessarily been there yeah. in terms of win loss record, but. It, I don't know why you wouldn't give him a couple more years. Yeah. He has he has a track record of success. Like he knows how to win. Um, I mean, I guess there's always the worry that when you hire the elder statesman, that the game has passed him by a little bit. I don't know if that's necessarily the case as much as he just <laughs> yeah, inherited. That's the toughest job, right? He inherited <laughs> literally the toughest job in the SWAC yeah. and had 
almost nothing left on his roster. Yeah. He, he, I mean, that's you talk about your like that's not a rebuild. That's an overhaul. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, that takes time. Mm-hmm. You're like, you know, I watch a lot of HDTV. <laughs> that thing had to be torn down to the studs in order to build it back up. I, I don't know. If you moved on from Rickamaji at the end of the year, I don't yeah. know what the yeah, next where guy. Where do you go? Yeah, where do you go? I don't. I don't know what that. I don't know what that is. I, yeah. But I, I would guess Rickamaji has a better shot than that guy, or at yeah. least as good of a shot, and, and knows the kind of the lay of the land at this point, and mm-hmm. kind of roll with it. Uh, we haven't talked a whole lot about Alcorn. How do you feel about the Braves? I think they'll. I think they'll be good this year. Obviously, they're the favorites to win the East, play preview and swag title game. Uh, Norris Footman, a lot will be on his shoulders once again. Right. Led them to the swag title last season. Um, had accuracy issues, um, so if he can clean those up, then he'll cause a lot of havoc in the swag. He caused a lot of havoc in the swag, and his accuracy isn't the best. And he's already caused so much trouble for the teams in the swag. Right. So I imagine if he if he does improve that, then everything will be smooth for that offense. I know that they need a they're going to replace a lot on the offensive line. Um, the offensive line and the secondary are probably their biggest concerns. That's just where they lost the most bodies from, from last season. And those are two strengths of the team. Um, and the coaching staff, you got to see how the coaching staff adjusts because it's a lot of new guys. Jay Hobson took a lot of guys with him to USM. Um, so it's like basically a brand-new defensive coaching staff. Uh, some guys, some of the offensive staff is back. Um, but it's an, there's, there's always going to be a learning curve when you have new coaches uh, – trying to teach players and a time to kind of get yeah right and you wonder you know what are they going to do differently Mm -hmm. you know is is that defense going to look different are they are they you know any scheme changes major or even minor that you know the common fan may not necessarily see but still takes time to learn or you know because the schemes i know they can say the schemes are the same but no two coordinators have the same personality. And right. The play calling is going to be different. Yeah. Um, you know, are they going to be aggressive on second and long and try to, you know, really go for a big play to, to force, you know, third and a super long? Or are they a team that's comfortable kind of playing back a little bit on second and long and, you know, we'll take our chances on third and three? Yeah. You know, you're exactly right. There's a lot of – even in – even if you're still running the same playbook, mm-hmm. the play calling can change so much, and what you ask individual guys to do, yeah. you know, yeah. and they were excited because the first game will be actually like a true test to see how good they really are. Last year they had Georgia Tech, which they got stomped, and uh, this year they have Bethune Cookman. Bethune Cookman won; uh, they won a share of the MEAC last right. year. They were three way champ with North Carolina Central and North Carolina A and T, and I know. Alcorn will probably want to prove something because they lost to North Carolina A&T last year, who's also in the MEAC. Um, so they'll probably kind of, kind of want to prove in the season opener in Daytona that, hey, we can play with the MEAC. Last year we kind of we couldn't run the ball, we couldn't stop the run, so we kind of got out physical. This year Alcorn's going to have to prove, hey, maybe we can play with these guys mm-hmm. like in, in a phys- from the physical standpoint. Um, so they were talking about that at Swack Media Day, how it's going to be a good measuring stick game for them that opening week. Sounds good. I think we're going to call it on that point. Uh, this has been our band is better than your band. Our uh, plan for August is you're going to see a lot more podcasts. <laughs> uh, we're going to be coming back. I, you know, I know we took kind of an extended break. Hopefully you didn't delete us from your iTunes descriptions. <laughs> if you did, please add us back. Yeah. 
Um, you know, you also find us on SoundCloud. But yeah, as the season ramps up, uh, we're going to continue to be here podcasting. And you can also listen to the podcast. This is new on the Jackson State app. Yeah, Jackson State Blitz app. Jackson State Blitz app. Search for you know, search for Jackson State. Search for Jackson State Blitz. You will find it in the iTunes store and all the other uh, Android stores and everything else. Uh, get all of the latest information right there on your phone or tablet. All of Antonio's stories, his tweets, uh, videos, photo galleries, podcasts, everything is contained in one handy little place. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. <laughs>